What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Tez. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. All right, y'all. Um, this week, you're going to get a trigger warning because even though the fatal victim of this case is not a child, this episode deals with cruel misconduct with a minor child. So listener discretion is advised. If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say, that today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need, your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere. Where you're listening right now, you can have your podcast there. I promise, for real. And it's free. And you can make some money off of your podcast for free. Free money. Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today. Streaming October 6th on Paramount Plus. First place I learned about death was a pet cemetery. Dead things buried in that land would come back. There's something else. Something's wrong with Timmy. He needs time to adjust. That's not Timmy. Something's talking through him. Sometimes dead. Is better. Pet Cemetery. Bloodlines. Rated R. Streaming only on Paramount Plus. Our players this week are Derek Flemings, a friend, Lakeisha Collings, a friend and Derek's girlfriend, Catherine Calhoun, Laquita's sister, Terrence Jones, a friend, Jeanette Daniels, the neighbor slash babysitter, Navon Foster, baby daddy number one, Darrell Short, baby daddy number two, Alonzo Jones, the victim, and Laquita Calhoun, our murderess. All right, this week we are back in Chicago because y'all can't stop murdering up there. So we're in Chicago, Chicago, Illinois, where we meet Laquita Calhoun. Now, we don't have much about her background. A lot of the sources that we pulled for this episode is from court documents, appeal documents, all of that. So our story takes place on February 28th. 2004. Um, Laquita is 23 years old at the time, and she currently has five children, ages 7, 6, 4, 2, and 1. Um, on February 28, 2004, she gets off of work, and she picks her children up from her neighbor Jeanette's house. So Jeanette, she had, you know, watching her kids or whatever. And so from time to time, Jeanette will help her because Jeanette had kids of her own. She picks up the children, and then she starts getting dinner prepared. She got starts getting her family together for their nightly routine, you know, Shower, brush, brush your teeth, eat dinner, all that good stuff. So while she is running, she runs the bath water, water for her youngest child. And then she starts giving her youngest daughter, who's a toddler, a bath. And she starts giving her in, infant a bath. And she starts noticing that something is off. And I'm sure most of y'all can relate. Like, mamas be knowing. They can see a bruise on you from a mile away. So she noticed that her baby, that her private parts were swollen. And she's like, 
hold on, baby, come here. And she realizes not only are the baby's private parts swollen, but they're completely stretched out. So this like immediately infuriates Laquita. She's like, absolutely, what the hell just happened to my child? She goes to the neighbor's house, to Jeanette's house, and she's like, what the fuck happened here? And when she's at Jeanette's house, Laquita's sister Catherine is there, as well as their friend Lakeisha and this nigga Alonzo that stays with them that's been staying at Jeanette's house. Laquita asked Alonzo whether he had done something to her baby. And Alonzo responds that he didn't want to say it in front of the others. So they go into the back room where Alonzo admits to Laquita that he did it to the baby. While they're in the back room, Derek Flemons, who is Lakeisha's boyfriend, he shows up because he's looking for his girlfriend, Lakeisha, and they're about to play cards in like this upstairs apartment. They're about to have like a card night in a different apartment. When he arrives, she's like, you know, something's going on. So, you know, stick around. Laquita walks, she walks from the back room and she is pissed. And she tells everybody at that moment exactly that Alonzo raped her child and that he admitted it to her. Jeanette says, yeah, I believe it because he did that same thing to my baby. So Laquita looks at Jeanette and is like, so why is this nigga living here? And Jeanette doesn't really say anything. She just starts breaking down and crying. Um, They come from the back room. At this point, Laquita has already thrown a couple of blows at Alonzo, already been hitting him. Her, sis- her sister Catherine is already in, yelling, questioning, asking what's happening, what did you do, how dare you do this, and yelling at him. Hearing all the commotion, Terrence Jones comes to the apartment door like, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's going on around here? They tell Terrence what happened, and he's like, oh, word? So Terrence goes to Alonzo, and he's like, yo, you doing shit to kids? You know, you touching little kids and shit? And he's asking Alonzo if it's true. Now, even though Alonzo denied having molested the baby to Terrence, Terrence starts beating his ass anyways. He's hitting Alonzo's legs and arms with a broom, and Laquita comes in and kicks Alonzo in the face. Terrence then tries to sodomize Alonzo with the broomstick handle, asking him why he's messing with kids, and he going to show him how it feels, right? Mm. So with the metal broomstick, he's hitting him. He kicks him in the testicles. Some real, like, eye-for-eye type of shit, like, you're going to do it, I'm going to do it to you. He gets the metal broom, and he hits him. He kicks him in the nuts, and then he's like, Laquita's in the back now. She's like, he deserved this. He molested my child. I want him dead. I want him dead. After this, Laquita hits Alonzo two more times with her fist, and then she goes to the back room. She's back there trying to call her youngest daughter's father, Daryl, and tell him what happened. Catherine, now remember that's Laquita's sister, said that she tried to phone her baby daddy so that he could jump on Alonzo. So while this is happening, Lakeisha starts to feeling bad, and she opens the door and tells Alonzo to run. Terrence is like, hell nah, Laquita. Lonzo trying to make a run for it. Let's get him. So they run outside after him. They catch him. He makes it down to, like, the first floor landing. And they drag his ass back in the house. Yeah, so they made it. And he was, like, woozy because he was already getting his ass beat. So he's, like, kind of out of it. He's, you know, not all the way there. And Laquita, she hits him with the broomstick outside and then kind of, like, chokes him from the back and drags him back up into the apartment. After that point, Derek stated that at that point, he he was like, all right, Lakeisha, I'm about to take our kid, and I'm about to leave the house, and I'm about to go take our kid to the apartment. And Lakeisha drives Derek and her hum, her son home. Once Lakeisha's at the apartment, Lakeisha's like, all right, Derek, you stay here with our baby or whatever, and I'm going to return to the house, and I'm just going to make sure that everything just calms down. Like, I'm going to make sure that everything's straight. Before Lakeisha returns back to the house, she's riding around. She's trying to find 
Laquita's baby daddy. She's trying to find Darrell. And she's like, she finally finds him. And she's like, Darrell, somebody been fumbling with your baby. You need to come with me or whatever. But he kind of refuses to go. He don't, because she saw him. She talked to him, but he doesn't get in the car and comes with. So gets back to the apartment. She's driving Derek's green Pontiac Trans Am. So anyways, driving a green Pontiac Trans Am. And they're like, fuck it. We're about to take care of it ourselves. We're going to take him down here. And we're going to put him in the trunk. We're going to take him to the police station. And the whole time, Laquita's like, I want him dead. Like, oh, nigga, you finna feel it. Like, you finna understand these feelings. And I want him dead. She's pissed, right? So Lakeisha returns to the apartment. And everybody grabs a piece of Alonzo and starts putting him into the car. They're, like, carrying him out. So, So as they're carrying him out... Uh, Laquita and Jeanette are holding his arms and Catherine and Terrence are holding his legs. Terrence ends up helping them get in the car and then he leaves or he stays at the apartment. Lakeisha tells Laquita, like, you know, I dropped Daryl off at home. He's not coming. Let's go ahead and take him somewhere. Everyone gets in the car and they're like trying to make a plan. Like, are we going to take him to the police station? We're going to take him to the hospital or we're just going to throw his ass in the lake. Once all the women got inside the car, Laquita said that she didn't want to take Alonzo to the police station because she wanted him dead. They drove to the liquor store at 59th and State Street instead, and State Street instead, where Catherine bought herself a drink. While at the liquor store, Lakeisha opens the trunk in front of two or three men that she knew from the neighborhood. She told them that she needed help and that this man molested a baby. When Lakeisha opens the trunk, Alonzo's still alive and talking. Catherine heard what sounded like bottles hitting something. You know, the men outside of the neighborhood, they, they threw a couple licks on them, too. They leave the liquor store, and Jeanette reiterates that, you know, Alonzo had molested her child also. Then Jeanette suggests that they go to Lake Michigan. But Laquita was like, nah, I want him dead. So then Jeanette suggests that they can go to Lake Michigan, but Laquita's like, nah, I want him dead. According Which, to- like, Lake Michigan also means that he'll die, right? Like, you plan on drowning him? Wasn't, how is that? I mean, we can keep going, but like, if I'm throwing him in the lake, does that also mean that he's going to be dead? No, not if he can swim. I mean, we already beat his ass. I think he's going to be tired. Mm-hmm. It's a will to live. <laughs> According to Catherine, they were driving around in the car and they could hear Alonzo pleading from the trunk. Please take me to the hospital. Take me to the police station. I'm sorry, Quita. I'm sorry, Jeanette. Laquita responded to his pleas like, I-, I ain't trying to hear that. You're going to die tonight. Jeanette chimes in, you shouldn't have did what you did. And I feel like Jeanette needs to shut the fuck up because you let on I was about to point. be like, <laughs> she going to irritate us this entire time, but yeah. Lakeisha then turns up the volume on the radio because like she said, she ain't trying to hear that shit. Soon after this, they get a flat tire and they can't proceed to Lake Michigan anyways, right? So they stop at a gas station to fix it. Laquita stated at this point she starts to imagine her baby crying and what her baby was going through. She was like, Alonzo was hurting her, and he just didn't care. And she gets angry all over again. Laquita gets out the car. She sees a broken bottle on the ground, and she picks it up. She opens the trunk, and she cuts Alonzo a couple times with it, twice on his arm and once on his face. She sets the trunk and gets back in the car. Now they're all headed to Laquita's aunt's house to get some money to fix the tire. That always sound it while we were writing this it sounded really extreme but like like I feel like I have a strong daydream and when I'm in high emotion like I will daydream and it'll make sometimes it'll make the situation worse because you're just like oh I'm so angry and it could have been this and now I'm, I'm imagining this and the more you think about it the angrier you get right especially when you're already pissed off so 
they go to the aunt's house and once they're Lakeisha ends up falling asleep so she don't get back in the vehicle because I guess it took a while for the money exchange the tires Laquita then drove Jeanette and Catherine to a gas station on 55th street and King drive where they got the flyer, the, the flat tire fix before proceeding to pick up Navon. Now Navon, Laquita went ahead and called Navon and Navon is Laquita's first baby daddy. So is the father of her oldest children. Catherine tells the police that at this point, they kind of got into an argument with Laquita cause you know, Catherine and Jeanette were like, Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, oh, it's gotten too far. Time to go. So, um, Navon and Jeanette are like, bet, let's just drop everybody off at their house and finish what the hell we have to do. Um, while the tire was being replaced, which I think is crazy, while the tire was being placed, Alonzo was is still in the trunk of the car. And not only that, he was in the trunk of the car and Laquita says that she could hear Alonzo asking for help. Not once, but twice. And even then she said that the mechanics didn't hear him. So maybe like, I don't know, she was standing around the car. It's just a flat, you know, they, they can fix those while you're standing out right by the car. So maybe she kept hitting this. I don't know. So well, she you know, said, they got the machines and you hear that them drills whizzing. Right. It's so if she was standing by the shop. trunk and maybe it was like a front tire, they wouldn't hear it. At this point, everybody's dropped off. Alonzo's body is still in the trunk of the car. Navon is in the driver's seat. Laquita is in the passenger seat. And they make their way to an alley um, at the corner of, like, 56th Street and Michigan Avenue. Laquita then opens up the trunk and told Alonzo to get out. Once Alonzo gets out, she gets a stick from the alley and she starts just hitting him. She hits him about 10 times over the head and, you know, is really beating up on him. After a few minutes... She stops, and she gets back in the car. Now, at this point, Navon, who's in the driver's seat, he accidentally put the car in the wrong gear and backed up over Alonzo's body. And then, you know, put the car in the right gear and started driving away. But then, Laquita looks in the rearview mirror, and she sees that Alonzo is, like, alive and crawling, like, crawling towards the center of this alleyway. And so she tells, so she and Navon circle around back and they drive over him again. Laquita told the police that she and Navon then drove back to Jeanette's apartment where she let them know what happened. And she also called her aunt and told her what happened. Alonzo's body was found the following morning in that Michigan, near that um, Michigan Avenue. Now, remember, all of this was happening in Derek's car, who was at Lakeisha's apartment with her kid. Derek says he didn't see Lakeisha again until 4 p.m. the next day. And when he does, Lakeisha's crying, talking about the boy is dead. So he gets to looking in his car, and he immediately sees there's blood all in the door and in the trunk, on an antifreeze bottle. There's just broken glass in the car with blood on it. His spare tire is gone. There's a can of lighter fluid where the tire should be. It's just, it's all bad. So Derek... So Derek then panics, and he's like, fuck, I'm in a real-ass crime scene, and it's my fucking car. So he goes to the car wash, and he cleans the car out. He cleans out as much blood as he can, and he throws away anything else that could possibly be evidence in a nearby dumpster. I guess this nigga got a, a guilty conscience or something, because they say not long after. We don't know exactly how long after. Derek goes to the police and tells him everything that he saw. He tells the police where he cleaned out his car and where he dumped the contents that were in the car. So on April 13, 2004, 
after hearing that there was a warrant out for her involvement in the crime, so Laquita finds out that there's a warrant for her arrest. So she immediately goes and she turns herself into police custody. Also, her aunt was like, yeah, girl, go ahead and talk to the police. Like, you're going to have to go ahead and do that. So she turns herself into police custody. She gives herself a full confession. And then she also has a videotaped statement that she gives to the police. So after this, they start handing out indictments left and right. I mean, multiple counts of all of these charges. Um, one of the main charges, of course, was first-degree murder through aggravated kidnapping. Um, kidnapping, aggravated battery, and Lakeisha, Navon, Jeanette, Catherine, Laquita, and Terrence got that. Terrence also got aggravated criminal sexual misconduct, and Navon also got possession of a stolen motor vehicle. With statements in and indictments coming down, Laquita gets ready for trial. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial. Okay, so jump to fall 2006, and Laquita is finally on trial. She didn't go up here and, of course, try and deny it. She did what she did, and she stood up in it. Um, Derek is cross-examined first. He's the first witness, and they questioned him about his testimony in which he admitted that he left the apartment with LaQuisha but did not call the police or anyone else for help because he thought they were just going to take him to the police station. They were talking to him, and they were talking about having him locked up. Now, he said all this before a grand jury, but while on trial, he said he couldn't recall. Right. LaQuisha, his girlfriend, was next to testify. She had already pled. She did a bench trial, and she was serving her 20-year sentence when she was in court. Um, when questioned about the specifics of the crime, Lakeisha said that she couldn't really recall what happened that night, although she did admit and gave a police videotape statement shortly after the crime after the crime, you know, once they were doing their investigation and acknowledged that the answers that she gave to the police were coerced because she was like, the police said that they were going to lock me up. They said they were going to put Derek up. They said that they were going to put my kids in foster care. Like they said that they were going to make sure that my kids suffered and bounced from home to home if I didn't tell them what they wanted to hear and that they were going to put Derek in prison for murder for a long time when he didn't do anything and I didn't do anything. I, I don't recall. So because of this, they were just replaying, um, everybody's videotape statements and they replayed hers for the trial so next they get laquita's sister up on the stand to testify now Catherine initially refused to answer any of the prosecutor's question on the direct examination in spite of the court repeatedly telling her she needs to participate and she needs to answer the question Catherine continued to be uncooperative and was found and was found in contempt of court mm. i hear that I don't know nothing. I don't know shit. I don't know shit. Catherine was recalled later in the trial proceedings and questioned again regarding her prior videotaped statement with the police. Catherine then admitted that she was in Jeanette's apartment at the time of the issue, but refused to give details about Laquita's involvement in the crime. Because that's her sister. That's her sister. Catherine admits that she did give a videotaped statement to the police to the police on March 2nd, 2004, but stated that she only did so because the police told her that if she made a statement, she'd be allowed to leave. And I'm sure they had her there for hours and she was ready to go. Right. Catherine said that many of the statements she made in the videotape were not true and that she made them because she was scared and the police made her say those things by yelling at her. For example, on the cross-examination, Catherine said that she never planned to kill Alonzo or throw him in Lake Michigan. And she made that and that she made the statement in her videotape because the police made her do it. 
She further denied having told the police, one, that Alonzo was being dragged down the stairs to the trunk and that she heard Laquita saying, you're going to die. And two, that the following morning, Laquita told her that she cut the victim and that Navon rolled him up, rolled over him for a time. So she said it in the video statement, but she's saying on, in trial that she didn't, she didn't say it. Well, she did, did say but it was it, coarse but, yeah. or they were being they were bullying her into saying it. Right. So once again, they played her tape for the courts now they also called up Azel Jones and I know this isn't one of our players but Azel Jones is Jeanette's boyfriend and he was in the back room because I guess it was like a three-bedroom apartment he was in the back room when all the commotion was happening but he was asleep maybe I don't know he worked nice or something I don't know so um he was asleep and while the commotion was happening Jeanette comes to the back room wakes up her man and was like hey can you tell all these people to leave like we haven't it's commotion out here um so he gets up and when he gets up he says that in his living room he sees um Lakeisha Laquita of course Jeanette's there Catherine and he's like all right y'all leave my house <laughs> and so they ended up leaving and he goes back to, back to sleep now Jeanette she had a whole different story now Jeanette was initially when she was arrested she was initially taken to the psych ward and she was tested because she said that she could not absolutely she could not remember anything from that night she absolutely has she blacked out she has no idea so they tested her they said that you know that she's severely depressed and because of that that she possibly doesn't remember that trauma of that night they had a psychiatrist coming to her and talking to her and testing her almost every week. And then after a while, she was she she they were like, is she set to stand trial? Because she didn't know the difference between a bench trial and a jury trial, which, OK, also ignorance is no defense. But they also said that, like, she just willingly kept talking and would not use her right to remain silent. So they actually ended up putting her in a psych ward. She may be a little touched, but that don't mean you never know. Locked, it's not locked well, up. Well, I mean, I don't know, girl, because you would literally let your your child's rapist stay in your house. So maybe you are a little touched. But you know what? So Derek testifies that you know, looking at Alonzo, you could tell he was a little touched, right? Like he slurred his words and stuff. And I think people tend to give that a pass, like they don't know no better. Like I have a cousin who used to kind of touch us inappropriately, and we always kind of like, I kind of talked to my cousins about it, and they was like, oh, he do that to you too? And we told we told his brother, and everybody knows he's touched. And he was like, he's not supposed to be doing that to you. And it's like nobody came down on him. It was like, you you know, he's a little special, but don't let him do that to you, okay? Don't, and it wasn't nothing crazy. Like, he might, like, rub on our butts or some shit. When he but y'all were us, also, but. I mean, that's completely inappropriate, but... It's also y'all were old enough to, and had siblings around old enough to be like, hey, is this wrong? Is this right? Let's well, talk to adults. Is this wrong? Is this right? Well, it took years for us to realize. Like, at first, it just made us uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? And I think maybe hmm. a few years later, we're like, this doesn't feel right. And that's when we said something. He was like, no. His brother was like, don't let him do that to you. Yeah. That's wild. But I think people kind of give that, oh, he don't know no better type of past sometimes and maybe that's what Jeanette not saying that it's right but maybe that's what Jeanette was doing but then to go and say you're gonna watch another child and then knowing how that goes Mm -hmm. knowing you know knowing that one you haven't called him out on it or done anything about it or put him out your house then the least that you could do was make sure that the child was not left alone with him so that it could happen right 
I personally feel Jeanette should be charged with neglect and endangerment of a child. Because yeah, I think she need her ass beat too. Honestly. Um. Next, they call up the expert forensic pathologist and Cook County Assistant Chief Medical Examiner, Dr. Mitra Caliker. I hope I said that right. Dr. Mitra. Um, Dr. Caliker testifies on March 1st, 2004, that she performed an autopsy on the victim, Alonzo Jones, as they do. And according to the doctor, um, the from the ex, ex according to the doctor, the external examination revealed that he had, no surprise, numerous blunt force and sharp force traumas on his body, as well as gravel marks all over his body that were uh, consistent with him being run over or and slash or being dragged by a vehicle. The internal examination showed that Alonzo had extensive rib fractures, lacerations to the right lung, blood inside of his right chest cavity, and hemorrhages underneath his scalp. Um, The doctor also concluded within a reasonable degree of scientific and medical certainty that that the victim died as a result of multiple blunt and sharp force traumas to the body, including the crushing of his chest and of course the doctor concluded that the manner of death was homicide so in the closing arguments the states are arguing that they have enough evidence to find laquita guilty of first degree murder under each of the following theories like she intentionally did it she knowingly did it and it's felony murder right so although they argued all three theories they focused on felony murder by saying this is they said, and I quote, this is the perfect perfect example of felony murder. The felony is kidnapping, and I've seen how Laquita, and we've seen how Laquita is guilty of kidnapping. She helps commit that crime. She forces Alonzo down those stairs and puts him in the trunk of her car. And because she's guilty of kidnapping, and it resulted in a murder, then it's obviously felony murder, right? Right. So it doesn't matter if she intended for Alonzo to die. You still get that max murder charge. I don't know if you have to get a max, but you still get felony murder. I don't know that felony gives you max, but. Well, the sentencing will tell you what you get. But right. Like, as far but, as charges, it's. it's Yeah, but it's, she can still get she can still get that first degree murder as a on felony. So the defense argues that they get a new trial. They're denied on December 16th, 2006. So upon sentencing, Alonzo's aunt gave a victim impact statement. Usually the victims do to talk about the victim's life, how much they loved him, and hopefully either saying that they forgive and want a lighter sentence or asking the judge to go give a hard sentence. Um, the state argued during the sentencing that the extent of Lalonzo's injuries and the fact that Laquita was the ringleader who incited the revenge um, against Alonzo warranted her getting the max sentence. So the state is saying, listen, she... All of this happened because of her. Yes, other people were involved, but she started it. She's the ringleader. Um, Now, the defense argued that, listen, (laughs) Laquita had absolutely no prior history of violence. She had two charges. Um, One was for drinking as a minor, and the other one was because she had a little bit of weed, which who doesn't have a weed charge? In both of those, she didn't do jail time. She just received, like, supervision. More importantly, the defense urged the court to consider that, like, Laquita was working under very high emotions and Alonzo did admit to having sex to have sexually assaulted Laquita's one-year-old daughter and like 
they're trying to tell the jury, like, that is the reason why she acted the way that she did. That doesn't mean that she is violent in nature. That means that she kind of mama bared out, you know? Counsel also asked the court to consider the impact of Laquita's long, prolonged incarceration would have on the development of her five children. They're like, look, she has five children under the age of 10, and you're going to put her away for... I don't know, 60 years life. How is that going to impact those children? After hearing the arguments and the mitigation and all of that, the trial judge sentences Laquia to the maximum sentence of 60 years imprisonment for first degree murder and a consecutive seven year sentence for kidnapping. In doing so, the judge rejected defense counsel's argument that Laquita had been acting under deep, intense emotional um, and said that she was planned and she was calculated and carried out the murder in a quote dispassionate manner. I don't, I didn't, I guess there can be passionate murder. The judge stated that Laquita decided that she wanted Alonzo dead and that she took her accomplices on a drive to make sure that that happened. So he's basically like, you're wrong. These are all the ways that you're, that, in which you're wrong. And so because of that, you're going to get the maximum sentence of 60 years. He told Laquita that she forfeited her right to live among the free society and stated that it was his intention that Laquita would never see the streets again. Laquita, of course, files an appeal. And basically her argument is, sure, the defense presented three theories for the murder, the intent, the knowing, and the felony murder. But they never, the jury never clarified which theory they found her guilty on. Because because they spent so much time focusing on the felony murder, she's arguing that if she was charged with felony murder, then the felony is included in the charge. So why, when she got sentenced, did she also get sentenced for an additional kidnapping? That's her argument, right? That's her argument. Okay, y'all, Tazzy and I went out to dinner last night, and we <laughs> went back and forth over this. Felony murder is committing a crime, and a murder happens during the crime. So Committing a felony. Committing a felony, right. the felony being kidnapping. So if the felony was kidnapping that made her catch the murder charge, and she's already been charged for that in the felony murder. It's the kidnapping murder, right? So then why is she then getting charged with the kidnapping? Is she trying to argue that it's like double jeopardy? Because I see what she's saying, but in my mind, Mara's mind, I'm like, okay, you have to be found guilty and sentenced with kidnapping in order to be sentenced and found found guilty and sentenced for felony murder. But she's arguing that basically they're double charging her. Yeah, like... The felony is in the, fe- it's felony murder. Now, had they charged her for murder and then charged her for kidnapping, that would be one thing. And that's why she's saying it's important to figure out how the jury found her guilty. Because if they said, oh, you intended to kill him, then that's a, you went out to murder him and then you committed a felony right. by kidnapping. But if they charged her on felony murder, then she was kidnapping and he happened to die in the process, then that's just what it is. That's all a combined sentence, right? Shout out to Miss Gloria, our attorney from uh, a couple ad spaces ago, because she gets us right when we're wrong and she helps us when we don't know. So get y'all a good lawyer. Get y'all a good lawyer. (laughs) On September 25th, 2010, her sentence was reduced. Not for the reason she said. They reduced it saying that the judge did not take into account the provocation that led her to this, like. 
her child was molested, of course she lost her mind. In, in an intense way. Like, it, 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 of course, we don't see pictures, but, like, the way that they describe it, it was... In, For you to look down and see your baby's vagina stretched open, like... A one-year-old? A one-year-old? You, 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 I don't... You never know what you're going to do in those those high-time moments, but, like... I know I wouldn't be giddy and happy. I'm not chilling. I'm not chilling. I know I'm going to be in somebody's face. They said, sure, she should have took it into her own hands, but to give her the maximum sentence. Right. And not she's consider. out getting, you know, getting her daughter's revenge or whatever. Like, not saying that you're supposed to get revenge, but, like, come on now. She, she wasn't going to let her baby go out like that. So... They reduced her sentence to 30 years, so they cut her time in half. On March 29, 2013, she appeals her, her resentencing. Um, she said that she would like to get sentenced again, and preferably by a new judge. Cause... He also was the one that sentenced everybody, and that's what... I don't know. Obviously, it's legal because we've seen it in a lot of cases. But this kind of reminded me a lot of the Paula Cooper case because everybody was sentenced or put on trial before her and they got 20 years ish. And so because she was seen as the ringleader, like got to make an example out of her, give her 60 years. And it's always by the same judge. So you don't get that. um, You don't get another opinion. You know what I'm saying? Because the judges... When you're the judge, you know, you've worked hard to be the judge. You're supposed to be the end-all, be-all until you go to the Supreme Court, like, judicial system, right? Um, but the reason that we have more than one judge in each state or, um, you know, the reason why there's not just one judge on the Supreme Court in the Supreme Court is because all of those opinions and all of those viewpoints matter. Yes, law is law. They have Their job is to uphold the law, but... You can uphold the law and also be discretions. A, right. You're able to have discretion over a case by case. And and that's the thing. He was using discretion, but like on the whole other side, like. Yeah, because I bet you was if there's like, a black woman judge, then we wouldn't have these problems. He was just like, you're being a vigilante and that's not how it's supposed to go. And it's just like, got it. But also don't play with my baby. Right. Exactly. So, um. What is she at? Twenty seven years total now because of the reduce, because of the reduction. Thirty years. Thirty years total because of the reduction. So yeah, she's like she wants another judge to look at it. She got denied for that appeal. They said that she went from having a maximum sentence. the The sentencing for felony murder is twenty to sixty years. So they're like, you went from. 60 the max to the lower mid so we're gonna let you sit there for a second like you can't have it all right it was like you're closer to the other defendants who got 20 years you know but you got a little extra because you know you You did did the most you did start it but (sighs) she did get denied for that one um and now she's sitting in illinois county whatever springfield whatever she in prison She's probably about to see Heather Mack in a minute. Well, located at the Illinois Department of Corrections in Springfield, Illinois. I <laughs> don't care. They were like, wow, you guys really can't pronounce the French words. It's like, yeah, because they all got a whole different country. That's country mis- mixed with French, mixed with a whole bunch of other, sh- mixed with Creole. Like, we don't, we we from Georgia. So, yeah, she's sitting in uh, Illinois Department of Corrections. 
Correct. Yeah. Illinois. In a, I- Illinois. Illinois. Please, they're gonna they're gonna come for us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please. Um. So if you're wondering what happened to Laquita's children, as well as Catherine's children, she had three because they're sisters. So. Um, Laquita had five. Yes, Catherine had three. So eight children total are now living with all eight children are now living with Laquita and Catherine's mother in Mississippi. When they were interviewed by the Chicago Tribune on if, you know, the kids have any relationship with their parents or do they get to go visit? The grandmother said, you know, it's getting a little bit harder because the kids are older now. They're understanding why their parents aren't here. They're understanding what happened. They can just literally Google their mom's name and find the entire court record of what happened. Also, they were like, the children, since they've been arrested, they have not seen their parents because grandma got eight kids. She said it's hard. How is she going to travel eight kids from Mississippi to Chicago to see their mother? She said it's she hard. needed help. She old, y'all. She was supposed to be done. And now she got eight of them. Eight of them. Eight of them. And when they came in, they was the youngest was one. <laughs> They was ranging from seven to one, and that's just on Laquita's side. Right. I don't even know how, how um, old Catherine's children were. All right, y'all. That is the end of the story. Um, Now it is time for... Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I ain't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have got away with it. Um, I didn't do it, but if I did, I would not have returned Derek's car bloodied. That was rude. Very rude. I didn't do it, but if I did, I don't know that I would have drove around with him. Like, if we gonna let it be a crime of passion, let it be a crime of crash. You can't think too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, beat his ass at the house. I definitely want to let, uh... Terrence sodomizes him. I don't I don't like that type of get back. I don't think I would have let I don't think I would have got that many people involved. It's so many people in this damn story. And then the fact that y'all stopping at the liquor store, like, hey, y'all wanna get some licks in too? Popping a trunk open, let niggas beat on their ass and then keep driving. It's that's crazy. And but you were talking about this. You talked about this in another case, and we were talking about this last night when we were talking about this case. When you're around and you're hyped around a group of people, people puff up their chest like they trying to be bigger and badder. You you get more emboldened. In yeah, a pack. like it's that pack mentality. I mean, shit you would do in a group, you might not do by yourself, but you feel like you got that support of your group on your back, and you just you just feel a little chest chest more out with the shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think maybe if she was alone and had addressed this just her, it wouldn't have gotten this far. Like, her baby daddy already wasn't picking the phone. She was like, hey, bro, come be his ass. And he was like, nah, y'all should just go to the cops. Which is weird. The um, fact that he never showed up was weird, and she had to get the other baby daddy to come do it. That's a little and weird. the other baby daddy was willing to do it, but you weren't. I mean, is it judgment? Is it good judgment, or is it? I mean, she was 23, and her oldest child was seven, so she's been with that nigga forever. So they probably, I don't know. But I didn't do it, but if I did, I would have beat his ass. I definitely, I'm sorry, I think that he his definitely deserved to get, get beat. His Nobody's ass can still his get beat, but I definitely think that they, next step should have been, now we're going to take your ass to the police station. Yes, Alonzo would have been like, yeah, they beat my ass. Yes, your ass would have probably got a couple of battery charges. And you may have done a, a little bit of time. 
But or they might have been more lenient because he didn't end up dead. Because you beat his ass and you brought his ass whooping to the police station. Right. Like, here he is. I've already whooped his ass. And when he goes in there and the other guys ask why he's all bruised up, make sure y'all let him know why. Let them know why. That there is how you make sure that you get a small charge, no charge, and you get to see your kids again. Like, it's kind of sad that you did all this because of your child and then you never get to see that child again. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah, Alonzo's hurt, and yeah, he's gone, and and you enacted revenge on him, but, like, you hurt your child even Wasn't more now. It. Yeah. And then, like, I'm sure they'd rather, like, I think they would have rather had you home in the end, but at right. least they know mama got their back. Uh, and, and auntie, and I, I wonder, like, is grandma, like, y'all see how y'all siblings, you see how your mama and, and your auntie are siblings, like, you ride and they for you other. ride for each other, which is, like, you know, friend, I'm not, I'm an only child. That's how I <laughs> and y'all, sis, y'all, your sisters, y'all all ride for each other, but y'all also know when Ooh, to raise like that. But y'all also know when to check the other person and be like, we are going to go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> that there's just plain old common sense. <laughs> we were raised as a pack, but that judgment, that's because everybody don't have that judgment. And sometimes you got to check one sister and be like, hey. Too much, okay? <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, that's that's kind of the beauty of having siblings. And y'all, yeah, y'all are raised the same, but y'all all have different personalities. So it it's kind of like if you're my, if you, even like you and I are close friends, if, obviously. But if you guys didn't know. If you didn't know. But like sometimes when I'm feeling, I'm like, fuck this shit. We're going to do this. And, then, and, then, like, and I'm like, no, Mariah, we're not. <laughs> like, Actually, think, no. about the hi- think about the high school fight. Like. <gasps> Taz was like, we are not doing this because these are the consequences that will happen because of this. Yes, we are upset. Yes, we want to beat this bitch ass. Yes, everything. The but whole school is wants- that the best decision right, right look, now? And, and like at that point, a hype crowd came and people wanted to see a fight. Taz was like, no. Like, <laughs> we we have, have things to think you, about. You have think, to look I out for it, future self. I think just like a week before that, this happened. I had just gotten my full scholarship to college. And Taz was like, you just got a full ride to college. You see how like... We we still, you know, made sure that people knew the story. We, that bitch felt real dumb. Everybody went to the principal's office and got in trouble and all that good stuff. But I didn't. You didn't fuck yourself up in the process. I didn't fuck myself up in the process. And anger can get you there. Because anger would have gotten me there. But you have to be, I don't know, especially with siblings and people that you're close to, you have, somebody's got to be a level-headed one. Um, Parole or no parole? Parole. I think I'm going to have to go ahead and give her some parole for this one. Um, I hope that I I feel like she's actively working towards parole. There's a petition out to um, there's a petition out that people can sign that people have signed. I think I looked at it yesterday, and the most latest signature was like two days ago. So people are still signing to on her behalf. Um, but you know, while you're doing that, and even though you feel like you shouldn't be in there, I hope that she's at least taking care, taking advantage of programming. Even though, like, I don't know if the programming is bullshit or not, you know. But it's something it always and they, looks they, good. They they take it into account when you're doing your parole and stuff. And they also asked asked for the court to take into account that she confessed to the crime. And they were like, she confessed soon thereafter. I mean, it was a little bit after. A little they later. keep saying soon thereafter. It after. wasn't really soon. She had a warrant out and then confessed to the crime. But they didn't have to go find her. And I think that that was the thing. They were like, look, as soon as I came in, I went and told you what happened. So, all righty. That's our show. I don't know. Okay, let's not commit to it. All right, here it is, y'all. Your special treat that you get whenever we decide to give it to you. Your own, I didn't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have got away with it. Take it away, folks.
I didn't do it. But if I was Laisha Landrum, I would have already had some gloves on and did a one and done with Emily when she came to the door. Rocky answered the door. They knew that she was on her way. They had time to plan. So Laisha should have had some gloves on. Uh, did a one and done, maybe surprise her from behind, go ahead and strangle her. And then had uh, Rocky go get the car to the back. They they were able to get her body down to the dumpster without anyone seeing. So they could have got her in a car without anyone seeing and then dumped her off in somewhere random. Hey, I just want to say that I love y'all podcast. I stumbled on this podcast on accident, but I've been tuned in and I love it. Like, keep doing what y'all are doing. I would say I am listening to the Monique Kitts episode right now. And I love y'all, but y'all are butchering these names for Louisiana. It is Plaquemine, Louisiana, and it is McNeese University. But other than that, keep doing what y'all are doing. Hey, I just listened to your latest Sisters That Kills podcast, and first of all, in my head, um, you guys are a co-worker in my head because I work at home. Um, my name is Elaine. I'm in Minneapolis. Um, second of all, why, I don't know whose it is, but why isn't your sister featured sometimes on some of these shows? Because she is freaking hilarious. So that's all I have. Thanks. I love your show. Bye. <laughs> now, if you want to do one of these, you can click the link in our description box below where you go on our anchor site and you can leave us a message, a voice memo, letting us know that if you didn't do it. But if you did. Don't worry, y'all. It's free. We're not trying to take your money. We it's just free. Just to just participate with us. Just leave us a little voice memo. Girl, tell me why. I'm, I'm not going to say who this person was, but... Remember we had that review was like, I don't know if I, I think I'm the only man that listens to this podcast. So there's this grown ass man that listens to this podcast. Um, I'm not going to say his name, but he called me and left me a whole voicemail saying, you know how old folks are. Well, Mara, I had to, I was listening to your podcast and I just need to call and tell you, don't be talking about, don't be hating on old dude because he got six women on the side. Did you like, don't be hating on him. And I was like, sir. You are married. So, um, um, Monique's husband, last episode, because he had, he was, don't be hating on him. I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> all right, so uh, let's go ahead and get into some reviews. Dear Darla, I hate your stinking guts. You make me vomit. All right, this one goes from Harvey Butthole. Harvey Butthole gave us a one-star review. Ugh, I'm so sorry, Harvey Butthole. The title of this review says, Racist and Sexist. (laughs) Harvey's review says, Imagine someone starting a podcast but explicitly stating they are only going to cover white killers. Imagine. Let me just open up my uh, app that I listen to podcasts on and find it. Imagine. I can only imagine. Harvey, you're more than welcome. You could call it. I got some names for you. Blue-Eyed Killers. Um, the Blonde and the Bold. Yep. Um, 
what else we got? Um, the white and the privileged. Yep. All of those are all for you. Um, because we're racist and sexist. Actually, I'm just prejudiced and a feminist. So <laughs> let's be clear. <laughs> Let us be completely clear about what I am over here. Um. <laughs> this one says, thank you. I love True Crime Podcast and finding one hosted by black women about black people. The joy in my heart. Thank y'all. Please don't stop. I'm so happy I found you on TikTok. You're welcome, girl. Yeah, she doesn't think we're racist and sexist. <laughs> All right, let's get the hell out of here. If you want to keep up with Sisters Who Kill Podcast, you can email us at sisterswhokillpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Sisters Who Kill. Follow us on Instagram at Sisters Who Kill Pod. And follow us on TikTok at Sisters Who Kill Podcast. You cannot enter the discussion group this week, and I don't know when you'll be able to enter it again. If you want, that's all I got. Um, Leave your reviews for us. I mean, leave your, I didn't do it if you think I didn't do it, but if I did for us. Um, also sisters who kill is trying to have our first charity event. Um, we're looking for some really dope charities in Atlanta that we can volunteer and actually do something in person. So if you guys know of any charities, any organizations that need some extra support, please go ahead and send them our way while we are planning our very first sisters who kill give back. Now, of course we would prefer that our charities give back to the black community. I mean, if it's everybody, that's fine. But you like, know how we do. Y'all know what we stand for. But um, our goal, of course, like our goal is it's larger than just a podcast. We want to make sure that we are actually impacting everybody and not just your ears every week. In a positive way, you know what I mean? Not on some internet bullying bullshit, you know? So, you got anything else, friend? Talk to us. We talk back. Bye.